Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is Oh, so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash etm. I think the key is very simple is just to really understand personal finance at a young age because if you start to study this at all, you know, the through line through all this is time. If you can get compounding interest on your side, like if you start saving when you're 18 years old, you are at a huge advantage. You know, an 18 year old could put away $200 a month and be a millionaire. If you don't start till you're 40, all right, now you got to bump it up to let's say 700, 800, maybe a thousand dollars a month. Welcome to everyone's talking money podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. 
welcome back to the show. So, so good to have you here. Okay, let me ask you a question. How would your life have changed had you learned about money in high school or even, let's say, college? I know mine, fingers crossed, would be very different. I probably would have started investing a lot earlier. I hopefully wouldn't have gotten in as much credit card debt. I just think a lot of good things would have come from that. Our guest in this episode, Jake Kosanu, is a high school teacher helping young adults better understand personal finance. As well, he's also the author of a new book, How to Adult, Personal Finance for the Real World. Inspired by Jake's own lack of personal finance knowledge, which he's not alone, we're all in the same boat, Jake poured himself into creating a curriculum for students that would be life-changing and decided to detail it all in his new book. As Jake says, the best time to fix your money problems is right now, no matter what your age is. In this episode, Jake is sharing his best personal finance tips to help you move from being reactive with your money to proactive so you can avoid so many pitfalls and rebound from any money mistakes you might have already made. We all need, I think we all need, I'm just going to say we all need to foster this skill for sure. I'll let Jake tell you so much more. All right, let's get talking. Jake, I am so thrilled to have you join us on the show today. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Shauna. Happy to be here. Excited to talk about some finance. Right? Always fun to talk about money. (laughs) That's right. Well, to start things off, I heard through the grapevine that you were a star of Wheel of Fortune, a contestant. You won some money. And as someone who's watched Wheel of Fortune like my entire childhood, a little envious. Tell us a little bit about this experience. (laughs) That is true. That's usually... I usually, when I'm on these shows, I can feel that the the host is just dying to ask me about it, and they wait till the end. So I'm glad I'm glad we're starting off with it. Um, yeah, back in 2018, um, I just auditioned for the show on a whim because I was actually I was eating uh, I was eating some Vietnamese noodles, some pho, nice. and they had Wheel of Fortune on the TV, and I was with my uh, girlfriend at the time and. I kept on solving the puzzle. She's like, wow, you're really good at this. And then I, she said, you should audition. So I just sent in like a brief audition tape. One thing led to another. And then I got on the show. And um, yeah, as far as my personal finance advice goes, uh, I won $50,000 in 45 minutes. So that's about the most lucrative wow. uh, it, endeavor I've ever <laughs> embarked on. So it was silly. It was really fun. Yeah. yeah. Did you get to the end? Like, did you get to the solve the puzzle at the end? I won it all, Shauna. I got all, all of it. Yeah. Okay. Do <laughs> yeah. we do we remember what the what the sentence was, the words were? Do you remember? Of course. Yeah. It's uh, I always think of um, when people ask like the greatest moment of your life, you know, most people outside of like, you know, a wedding or kids and stuff like that. But in between when that bonus puzzle uh, and I knew what the puzzle was. It was blowing a huge bubble. And so I already knew I already knew what it was. But when Pat Sajak was still talking, like, all right, Jake, you've got 10 seconds to solve this. You know, there's probably about like a six second window where I was like, I know I'm going to win before wow. like the clock was even going. So that was a pretty good moment. Pretty, pretty nice. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, I, I always when I'm watching the show, I'm always thinking, like, how would I react if I was actually on the show? Like, would I would my just going to like brain freeze and not be able to like put put words and sentences together? Or would I be able to actually like see the puzzle as clearly as you did? So yeah, that's I, had that fantastic. Fear too. <laughs> I was also worried about that. Very nice. So 
you know, we're obviously talking about fi- personal finance. You, you get on a show, you win a huge sum of money. Did, did you have any, any fun with the money or did you save the money or what can you tell um, us about that? I had fun for me, which is just like, um, getting rid of any debt that I, I only had small debt anyways, you know, maybe like a couple thousand on my car, but got rid of that. And then I just threw the rest of it, you know, into the market, into, you know, index funds. So it wasn't, wasn't thrilling for a lot of people, but for me, I mean, that's exactly what I wanted. And, you know, it's, it turned out to be a good time to invest. And, uh, so it worked out well, but no, I didn't go on any like extravagant, uh, trips or purchase a new sports car or anything like that. Still a very good story, right? One that you can like tell for generations. <laughs> Definitely. It's, it's just like my, uh, my novelty act now. It's my, it's my go-to yeah. story. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I love it. Well, you wrote this great new book called How to Adult, and I think no matter what age we are, we're all trying to figure out how do we do this adulting thing, even if we think Mm -hmm. we have it figured out. And you ask this question, you pose this question, do we ever complete or do you feel completely unprepared for adulthood? And I feel like most of us would say yes, completely unprepared for anything once we got past the age of probably 18. I know for myself... Uh, I went to college. I actually started a business when I was in college, but I was still like, I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) Yes. So, you know, why do you think that we are all just have this feeling of being so totally unprepared of what adulthood brings us? Um, I mean, I think we have that feeling because for the most part, we are wildly unprepared, you know, for as, you know, the important things uh, that we really need in adulthood. Um. You know, I teach a lot of classes at my school. I don't always only teach the finance class. You know, I teach uh, English. I've taught history, uh, psychology. You know, so I teach a lot of things. And a lot of the classes that I do teach are mandatory, let's say like English or history. Uh, but finance, personal finance is just an elective. And it always sort of kills me. And, you know, actually starting next year, it's going to be a requirement. But, yeah, for the most part, we are pre- unprepared for adulthood. If you don't have like a class that I teach or, you know, a lot of schools are starting to offer you know, students don't get the lessons of basic, you know, I start my book with just how does interest work? Um, right. And when I graduated, I, I didn't know how interest works. I sincerely had no idea. I didn't know that when you borrowed money, you had to pay back more, you know, based on your APR. And so I think it's a real, you know, tragedy that, you know, even at the basic level, I think we are failing a lot of, you know, the young people in this country. And there's a lot of movements that are really picking up steam. And a lot of states recently, like Florida has mandated financial literacy, North Carolina has mandated it. Uh, So we're making progress. But yeah, so in short, I think we feel unprepared because we are unprepared. (laughs) Yeah, I always say that we get, or at least I did, got a sex ed class, right? And Mm -hmm. I think it was sixth grade. And we're learning all these things, obviously, about sex, obviously something that we're going to do many times over in our life. Very important to understand safe sex. But when it comes to personal finance, I didn't have any of this in schooling, I had to learn myself through sort of trial and error. And it feels like you're saying very unethical that we're, we're shooting people out into the world where we know money touches every aspects of our lives, but we're not giving them any skills to know what to do. And so we just keep repeating these epidemics of, of more debt, of people not having savings, of the stress, the fear, the anxiety, all of those things. So I'm curious, what do you think needs to to change so that we, at least in the United States, change this importance of teaching financial literacy? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I think two things need to happen. I think one is to be a you know, graduation requirement from high school, and that should be you know, at the national level. Anybody who graduates high school, you need to take a class in financial literacy. Uh, but also, I think we need, um, you know, more organization, more sort of uh, cohesion in ter- terms of our approach to it. Right. You know, there's all kinds of standards you have for any sort of subject. You know, when I'm in English, I have to hit, you know, the million standards that I need to get to. History, I have to get to those standards. Uh, we really need to develop some pretty you know, prescriptive, you know, curriculum that we can implement for the students to make sure that they're getting what they want and specifically I think we need to aim much higher. I I know, like, even when I talk about personal finance, some people say, oh, did you teach them how to, like, balance a checkbook? Or do you teach them how to budget? Like, okay, well, one, balancing a checkbook, you just don't really have to do anymore. And two, <laughs> right. like, personal finance is so much more than budgeting. I mean, in my class, you know, by the time they finish, I mean, I truly believe that my students are prepared to build wealth. They understand how to do it. Uh, my students, I've had... Three, no, I've had four seniors already open up uh, Roth IRAs this year. Uh, they can tell you the difference between, uh, you know, Roth and traditional, what a passively managed index fund is versus actively managed mutual fund. Uh, they can tell you the standard deduction for taxes. Um, so I, I think we need to, ha- like, that sort of needs to be the level. It needs to be much higher than, oh, here's how to budget and you have to be mindful of your spending. It's like, no, you need to know how to take advantage of the, you know, financial systems that we have in this country and how to do your best to avoid the pitfalls. But right now we're just coming up, I think, the bar is too low. The bar is certainly too low. Curious, what are the ages of your of your students that you teach? Uh, it's typically juniors and seniors. This class this year, just because the class has gotten more popular, is only seniors. Nice. So they're really getting the information that they need that's really going to propel them forward. And I would imagine that fast forward five, 10 years down the line, they're going to be very thankful that they had you as a teacher teaching them these really important lessons that they could kind of keep coming back to over and over again. Yeah, I hope so. And you brought up this idea of of building wealth that we need to talk about that. So tell us a little bit about like, what are some of your your secrets or your keys that you really want everyone to know about building wealth? Um, I would say, um, I I don't, I don't love the word like secret or, you know, I'll see like a lot on Instagram or different things like what's your number one, like secret or best, you know, it almost like it almost implies that this is really selective information. It's hard to obtain. Uh, I think the key is very simple is just to really understand personal finance at a young age, because if you start to study this at all, you know, the through line through all this is you know, time. If you can get compounding interest on your side, like if you start saving when you're 18 years old, you are at a huge advantage. You know, an 18-year-old could put away $200 a month and be a millionaire. If you don't start till you're 40, all right, now you got to bump it up to, let's say, 700 800 maybe maybe $1,000 a month, right? So if you can get compound interest on your side, and, you know, I think a lot of people, I guess another, you know, secret would be a lot of personal finance, and even the books are sort of written this way, is reactive. You know, how to get yourself out of debt, how to claw your way back to where you want to be. Uh, I would really like it if we could be more proactive so you could avoid the pitfalls before you, you know, you make these missteps. And you're going to be, you know, a lot further ahead, you know, down the road. So I think just understanding these things, and again, 
what I stress in my book is these concepts are not really that difficult. You know, yeah. it's not it's not high end math. It's not something that you're going to need, you know, a CFP or an MBA to understand. You're not, you know, I, uh, my students who are seniors in high school, they fully understand this, you know, and it's not because they've, it's the most difficult class in the world. It's just because, you know, it's sort of been given to them in a palatable way over the course of a year. You know, it was, we, we didn't try to do it in an hour. We took it seriously. And, um, yeah, so if, if you take it seriously and you start young, I think you're already just so far ahead. And I really agree with you that we need to teach the the tools and the tips and the techniques and be more proactive versus reactive. So I'm curious of what you think, you know, what gets in the way of us if if money and understanding how to build wealth isn't necessarily that complicated. What are the factors that get in the way that stop us from being able to do that? Uh, that's a tough one. Yeah, I think um, just I think part of it is really human nature. You know, you don't really um, you don't recognize a problem or maybe you don't want to face a problem until, you know, things get really bad. You know, that happens in so many aspects of our life. You know, a lot of people aren't going to really take their finances seriously until, you know, they're on the edge of bankruptcy or they're just in, you know, crippling debt. You know, so right. part of that is very much uh, just psychology. And then I guess the other resistance to the movement is also um, the adults in this country are also uneducated for the most part. You know, so I think a lot of people don't realize the, uh, you know, the benefits of doing this because they're not reaping those benefits themselves because nobody taught them. I think if you had, you know, uh, a population who has understood personal finance and was able to build wealth, they'd be a lot more encouraging and a lot more motivating to get behind the movement and be like, hey, you know, these are some palpable results if you start doing these things. Um, so it's certainly not just, you know, young people need to figure it out. I mean, I think across the board, we're just as a nation pretty ignorant to a lot of the things that we should know about. I completely agree. And unfortunately, there's a lot of systems, companies, organizations that benefit from a lot of us kind of staying 100%. in this, yeah, this, 100%. this shred of secrecy around money. And it's really unfortunate. And, you know, what really gets me is I've seen money be this divider between people, between demographics, all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And the beauty of what you're talking about in your book, no matter what age you are, is that we can all use these principles to really empower ourselves and put ourselves in control uh, of our money and that it doesn't have to be as hard as maybe the outside, whatever media, whatever, you, whatever you're, you're listening to wants you to think it is. Sure. Yeah. I think like a, a very common misconception there's um, just basic investing just in the stock market. And certainly my perception, you know, I was actually told by my parents and my grandparents, you know, uh, the stock market sort of a scam, you know, that's, you know, that's how rich people rip off poor people or, right. uh, you know, that's just not how you, you can build wealth. And I think a lot of people get that narrative or they hear that like investing is incredibly risky. And, you know, I think those narratives are built upon the misunderstanding of, yeah, if you're investing in individual stocks and throwing like your life savings in there, yeah, that's incredibly risky. You're right. But, you know, the narrative is not pushed that 
you know, if you invest in just the index funds or, you know, the, the market as a whole, if you invest for, let's say, 10 or 20 years, you know, there's a, what, 99% chance you're going to make money? Like, it's the one of the most effective ways to build wealth in this country and even, you know, people who live in other countries. So I think those are the things that, uh, you know, are just sort of not getting out there. And that's sort of making these things seem like they are more complicated than they are because they think that they have to pour over, you know, stock analysis and go over PE ratios and understand all these things. <laughs> it's like, no, like my friends always ask me because, you know, I've written this book now and I'm really into personal finance. They're always like, oh, hey, what do you got? Like, tell me tell what me stocks your, yeah. do you like? Yeah, like, can I get like a, a 10 bagger, you know, a right. 10x yeah, stock? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, dude, I, I have no idea. Like, I, I, I'm not joking with you. I have like maybe one individual stock at this point. Like, I have no idea. And I don't read the market every day. I don't follow those stocks as far as like the individual stocks go. I mean, I don't, you know, live and die by those things. I'm like, so they always ask me, like, I don't know. I really don't. Like, <laughs> don't think that I'm some guru, but I'm absolutely not. I can't tell you what the stock is going to do tomorrow or a year from now. And also nobody else can. There's nobody that can. Yeah. When anyone always asks me, when anyone asks me that question, I say, well, can you let me borrow your crystal ball? Yeah. (laughs) Because I don't have one. Unless you have one of those and I can't help. Exactly. Tell me a little bit more about your money story, because I know when you, when you start out in the introduction of the book, you share that you didn't, you didn't have the education around these personal finance concepts, which was really what led you down this pursuit to realize the importance. But I'd love to hear a little bit more about mm-hmm. how money was talked about or maybe not talked about as you were growing up that kind of led you into this passion. Yeah. So, um, yeah, a lot of people think that I've sort of, or they don't, I guess they assume, you know, I've always sort of been like financially driven and I guess, uh, you know, financially savvy. And that couldn't be further from the truth. You know, I was just as dumb as most 20-year-olds are. Like, I made horrible <laughs> mistakes. I didn't know how my student loans worked. I maxed out credit cards. Uh, growing up when I was a kid, no talk about money. Literally, you know, just none. I had no, like, no idea how investing worked. Uh, didn't even know you had to plan for retirement. Didn't know if you bought a house, you had to have the down payment first or mortgages. Didn't know anything. I can't stress that enough. And then around 25, um, I was just sort of sick of, you know, being broke and just not making much uh, progress, you know, trying to save money. And then so I started to, I'm a very uh, voracious reader. And just when I get into something uh, academically or like intellectual, I just sort of, you know, just dive into it. So I read everything I could and I just realized, oh, my, just my fundamental understanding of finance was so skewed. It was just so far off from the reality. You know, these things, you know, you build wealth over time. If you want to save for retirement, you know, you save, you start saving today, it's going to make it easier. And so I started just uh, totally reorganizing my life, totally rearranging. And quickly, very quickly, I could see my finances changing. Like my debt was dropping, my net worth was going up. And that really sort of motivated me. And I said, this is absurd that this is not taught. And I just happened to be in the position, you know, as a teacher where I could do something about it. And my school's very supportive of, you know, introducing new classes and programs. So I said, hey, I want to start a personal finance class. So um, I picked it up there. But yeah, so my background when I was a kid, I certainly did not know anything. And I, I really try to make that um, a parent in my book, and you know, if you've read it in each one, I sort of have what's called a personal connection in each chapter. And they're generally just sort of 
embarrassing stories about myself doing something, you know, terribly stupid with money, like maxing out a credit card or when my student loan, uh, you know, the lenders were calling me, I'd just like ignore their call, you know, doing the worst things possible. And I really wanted to make that or put that in the book because I think so many people realize that they're making mistakes. They feel they're making mistakes. Maybe they want to make a change and they're just kind of scared to face it. And, you know, and I think they typically think everybody else knows what's going on, but I don't. Right. And that's just not true. You know, that is so not true. I, in my, you know, writing this, I thought everybody understood this, but I, you know, I've given this book to CFPs and they've like, Oh, I've learned this. I didn't know, you know, whatever this thing was. Um, but yeah, so I wanted to let them know, like, okay, if a guy who's actually written a book on personal finance, who's, you know, he teaches it for a living now, if he's made these mistakes, hopefully it makes people feel, you know, they don't need to feel as bad about any mistakes that they're currently making and they can sort of address them now instead of just, you know, burying them. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding? or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical. If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because, let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this, they release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited, and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince, and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless... 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. 
I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Two things I love about your story. One, I love that you can make mistakes and it's recoverable. So mm-hmm. I talk on this show all of the t- all the time about my mistakes. And the other thing uh, you you shared in a recent interview that you believe storytelling and humility are important when it comes to talking about money. And I, I couldn't agree more because I think the sharing of the mistakes is what makes us all realize we're all very much alike. Yeah. We may be working with different incomes or with different scenarios, but we're all making variations of the same mistakes, and it's it's okay. We're not gonna we're not gonna perish from sure. making that mistake. Yeah, and you know, there's solidarity in that. It sort of gives you. Um, it's very much like any sort of recovery, or like a, even like a sobriety movement. You know, you talk to other people who've struggled with addiction, and it's like, oh, okay, I don't feel as alone. I don't feel so bad about the mistakes that I made. Right. You know, this is sort of a it's a human thing, you know, it's part of life and there are other people who have done this and if other people can get out of it, you know, whether that's, you know, financial debt or addiction, whatever it may be, then perhaps it's going to inspire me to do the same. So how did you decide when you were writing this book or putting this book together, how did you decide what was actually going to go into it? Oh, that was the tough part. Yeah. So I sort of had to balance it between, cause the whole point of writing it was, um, you know, once my class sort of took off and I really got a feel for the curriculum, um, I was like, there just aren't any texts out there that are very basic um, or basic in the sense that they explain things in a way that is approachable. You know, you're not going to get confused or any, but you're covering topics, let's say life cycle funds, you know, uh, mutual funds, index funds, you're going up to IRAs, 401ks, like, you know, pretty serious stuff, some... Uh, you know, it's not just very basic budgeting stuff. So you're you're covering more complicated stuff, but it's being explained in a very basic way and not in a way that's just completely boring. So that was sort of the goal of my book, to make it approachable. Anybody could pick this book up. But yeah, so the tough part was deciding what will I include, what won't I include, just because I didn't want to get too complicated where, you know, I lose some of the readers where they're like, okay, this is you know, more than I... <laughs> Like, for example, I, I talk about expense ratios Yes. when I get to mutual funds and index funds. 
And I was even sort of, I sort of, I was debating with my editor. I'm like, I don't even know if I want to include this because I feel like this might be, you know, as far as like a introduction, it might be a little too much. But then I decided to go with it just because I personally think they're pretty important. Um, but yeah, so that was a tough task. And honestly, I used, um, so next gen personal finance, uh, uh, shout out to them. They're an incredible resource. Uh, it's run by a guy named Tim Renzetta, who's just an awesome guy. He's doing a lot of great things for personal finance in general. But they've got a site, a website, ngpf.org, that's all free curriculum for teachers of personal finance. So I really sort of based uh, my chapters off of the curriculum that they use. I excluded a couple and added a couple of my own. But that sort of provided like the uh, uh, the framework. Um yeah, so I just wanted to make sure that it, I included enough so I felt confident that whoever picked this book up could, you know, is ready to build wealth and understand, you know, the financial realities that are waiting for them without, you know, overcomplicating it or without getting too far into the weeds. So I know there's somebody listening right now that is saying expense ratio. Tell me about yeah. that. <laughs> um, so the way I explain it to my uh students. You know, expense ratio is essentially just the fee that you're going to have to pay because whoever you are investing with has done sort of the legwork of, let's say if we go with an index fund. You know, when you invest in an index fund, you're actually investing in a lot of different stocks. You're investing in, let's say, a bundle, right? And so somebody has gone through that work to figure out what that bundle exactly is going to be for you. And with an index fund, of course, you know, that's a, the example that I use for, you know, that's like going to be a lower expense ratio because there's not really a lot of thought that goes into what they're going to invest in. It's just like, is it part of the S&P 500? Okay, it's part of that group. I'll do it. You know, so your expense ratios for index funds, passively managed, you know, there's not a lot of thought. It's just sort of the companies that are big that are in the S&P 500. That's what they're going to invest in. Mutual funds where you've got like um, – Active, what's called actively managed. That is where you have an actual human being, you know, doing the legwork, trying to figure out, all right, which stocks are going to go up, which stocks are going to go down. Do they have a new product coming out? Could there be any bad publicity? And so they're really trying to, you know, get ahead of the market, figure out trends. So they have a higher expense ratio, uh, just because you've got somebody doing all this work for you. But essentially, they are just fees that you have to pay for, you know people putting all these bundles together, whether it's a relatively automatic process or, you know, you've got somebody doing all this work for you. But it's just a fee you have to pay in order to get the really pretty tremendous advantage of being able to invest in, say, the market as a whole. Nice. See, we're, all, we're already learning. <laughs> we're learning go. a lot, right? Yeah. So do you, do you require your students then to use your book as the textbook for class? Uh, we do use my book. Um, and every year I've got uh, – because I don't have too many students, so I don't require them to buy it. <laughs> uh, so I provide them a copy of the book. Uh, but, yeah, we do use my book. And I uh, one thing I really like about my book is I know it's going to be effective with my students because when I was writing it, it was great because uh, I was writing it during you know, 2020, so during the COVID year or one of the many COVID years it seems like at this point. But – I would write a chapter and then I would just bring the chapters into class and be like, all right, does everyone talk about this? And I'd be like, read this, you know, essentially just a couple paragraphs at that point and tell me if it makes sense to you. And so I could just beta test it with the students. They could be like, oh yeah, this makes sense. Or no, this doesn't really make sense. And more importantly, if I like had a joke, they'd be like, no, cause that's a really lame <laughs> joke. Like stupid joke. I mean, that's generally what they're, so I was just going for like, not super lame. 
it basically said, like, it's a lame joke or just like you can't publish this. So as long as it wasn't you can't publish this, then I was okay. Um, but yeah, so it's sort of been uh, – it's been through the test of the students before. So I know that it's going to be presented in a way that you know, most of them are able to understand. What are some of the most asked money questions that your high school students have? Are there common questions that just come up semester after semester? Hmm. You know, the questions are uh, fantastic because the questions change over the year. You know, as you go through the year, the questions just get so, um, they're just incredible. Like students are just so smart. I'll put it that way. So the beginning of the year, you know, they'll say something like, uh, you know, how much money should I save every month for retirement? You know, how much money should I save every month in retirement? Or, um, you know, how much should I be spending on my housing or something? And now it's hilarious because they know that almost all my answers begin with, it depends. Right. <laughs> so, so, now, so now the girls, or, and I say girls because my student, you know, uh, it's all an all-girls school. But so the girls will, uh, maybe a student from another class who's not in my personal finance class will ask something like that. You know, they'll say, how much should I be um, spending on my housing, like, well, it depends. Clearly, you know, you need to look at your after-tax income <laughs> and, you know, you're shooting for under 30%. And then, you know, some other kid will chime in and be like, well, it could actually be over 30% if you are saving in other areas. For instance, maybe if you don't have a car payment. So like now at this point, they're really savvy. You know, they understand that this is a lot more sort of nuanced. Um, and so they're getting pretty good at sort of dissecting the different options that people have. Because I'll always go to this one thread. It's called a uh, you know on Reddit. It's called the, it's just the personal finance thread, and basically just you know strangers will post their current financial situation, looking for advice. And now it's great because my high school students can give meaningful advice to this person. And almost always, when the people on the internet write their situation, they're just like screaming at the whiteboard, like not enough information, man. Like how much are you making per month? You know, do you have any debts? Like do you already have money invested? Uh, yeah, so they're going through all these things. So it's fun to watch where the questions have really improved, but I'd say the most often is like, yeah, maybe how much should I be spending on X? You know, how much of a, how much is too expensive for a car or like, you know, how much do I have to save to retire at 50? Those are usually the ones that I get. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete.me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete.me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is 
always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Want to know the number one money question I'm asked? It's how to get started investing without being overwhelmed. So if you're asking yourself the same question, then you have to check out the Investing for Beginners podcast. The hosts, Dave and Andrew, they break down investment terms and strategies in a way you can finally understand. I love that they're making investing accessible and they have an entire podcast dedicated to helping you invest better. Even if you're not ready to start investing, they explain the stock market and financial updates so you can really understand what is being said on the news. If you're ready to learn more about investing, I'd recommend you start with two of my favorite episodes. Listener Q&A, how do you start investing with a thousand bucks, where they explain how you get started right away. And back to basics of building your portfolio, where they explain how to build a portfolio from scratch. The Investing for Beginners podcast is a great way to start expanding your relationship with money. Find Investing for Beginners podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's nice that they're already thinking about retiring in high school. Oh, yeah. And already thinking about savings. And I love that you bring up this idea of, well, it depends, because I, I always say, you know, well, asterisk mark, asterisk mark, asterisk mark, you know, there's so many yeah. different factors. And that's what makes mm-hmm. personal finance personal is that it's all unique to us. And we all have different scenarios. And so if we start building this money toolkit, like you have in the book, then we can just start applying those those tools to help us kind of craft the life that we envision that we want to live. So I love that you have already taught them this idea of, well, it depends. And there are so many different factors. We have to know all of the information. And I think that's what makes it tough about money is we want to listen to, let's just say, a podcast episode or read one book and suddenly know the path to success. And it's it's just a little bit more complicated than that. Yeah, exactly, Shauna. I think that's that's a really good point you just made of the asterisks. I, I think that's probably, if I was to concisely put it, the, the goal of personal finance, I guess, is to understand your own asterisk. You know, to have a, a firm enough grasp of personal finance and financial literacy to understand what are your goals, how can I meet them. And you know, exactly like you said, not looking for a five-minute secret investing strategy or like, you know, to have enough knowledge to know that there's not one s- simple trick, but to have the information, or I guess the skills to meet your own personal financial goals. You also talked about in your book, sort of circling back to this idea of wealth, that it's not necessarily this big number or a lot of excess. It's not having the biggest house or the most you know, cars and watches and whatever we might sort of dream up in mm-hmm. our brains of what wealth is. But I'm curious, what is your definition of wealth? What does that look like for you? My definition of wealth? Um, For me, 
if I want to be like more prescriptive, I'd say, you know, a house that's paid off, no debt, and just getting to the point where sort of working is an option, or I can just sort of do things that I want to do, you know, during the day. Right. Um, and for me, you know, it's a very fortunate situation where uh, I love teaching. I always tell my students, if I want a billion dollars, you know, you'd see me in class tomorrow. Like, I, I, I can't imagine just not doing it at this point. Um, so for me, I mean, that's a good example of I'm not going to need a huge, let's say, $10 million, you know, retirement fund. Uh, because the things that sort of make me happy and the things that give me satisfaction are relatively simple. And if I get to the point where, I mean, so for me, I'd like to get to the point where I'm teaching, but I really just don't care about the salary anymore. You know, it almost gets to the point of like, you you could pay me if you want, but you know, it, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I actually have a friend who effectively sort of retired at 40. And basically, when when I say retired, he teaches full time. But he's like, it doesn't matter if I get paid or not. Like, this is just, you know, what I'm doing to, this just gives me fulfillment. So for me, that's like the ideal retirement where I don't have to worry about finances, really, you know, making ends meet. You know, I've got money to travel if I need to, but I can just, uh, I don't have that constant, you know, that pressure that so many people have if I need to get this job so I can make sure I hit all of these you know, checkpoints, whether it's retirement investing, regular investing, paying off my debts. Basically, if I can get to that stress-free level, that's what it looks like for me. That's beauty. I mean, that's certainly my definition of wealth. Uh, Wondering, are you working on any other book ideas around your students? Is there a a follow-up to How to Adult? Um, There's definitely going to be like a revised edition, just because, you know, personal finance changes. And uh, so there's going to be uh, updated editions, but I am currently working on a uh, essentially a workbook. You know, so in my book already, I have at the end of each chapter, I sort of have uh, questions for like uh, skill building, and I would like to expand that to an entire workbook. So for the people who use my book in the classroom, they could, you know, if they have a, a set for their students, they can. You assign it for homework, basically, because I really believe that personal finance is something that you have to sort of interact with. I'm a big believer in scenarios. I always throw scenarios at my students. Okay, you're making $75,000 a year. You have this amount in debt and it's, you know, make them have them make financial decisions. So I'm working on a workbook now that will hopefully make it a bit more, I guess, interactive or make the students you know, participate more into the financial questions. All right. In closing... For our listeners, I'm curious, what takeaway do you want us all to walk away with so that we can begin our, our personal finance journey, even when things feel so heavy to face? Mm-hmm. What do you want to leave us with? I would say, one, the best time to fix your problems is now, right? If you have problems, if you've been worried about and it could be a problem as far as maybe you're spending too much on your credit card or you have debt. Or simply like, I don't know how a 401k works. Like I would consider that a problem, right? You know, it's been offered to me. I'm not totally sure how it works. Um, I think I've got money going in there. I don't even know if it's invested. If you have these questions, the best time to address them is right now, right? And if you are having these concerns, if you're having these fears, I promise you, you are not alone. You are not alone in this, uh, you know, across the board. 
in my work, I've had so many people that I really consider, you know, have really got their life together. You know, these could be big CEOs of companies that are, uh, you know, owners of companies, very, like, uh, very well-established lawyers, perhaps. And they've come and told me that they've, you know, have no idea how an index fund works. They have no idea how a life cycle fund works. And I'm like, this is weird. You know, I thought everybody just <laughs> had their life together and I was sort of wandering around blindly, but no, we're, we're, we're all, we're, all, we're all there. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Jake. So if someone's listening and they're already dying to grab a copy of your book, how to adult, where do they find you and where do they pick up a copy of the book? Sure. So you can uh, find me on How to Adult Finance on Instagram. And the book is very easy to find. It's on Amazon. And I think even if at this point, if you just Google How to Adult Jake, it'll probably be the first one that pops up. But if you're on Amazon, also just type How to Adult Personal Finance for the Real World or just How to Adult Jake. It's one of the top uh, books at this point within that category. If I could wave a magic wand and instill a chip into your brain that was loaded with all of this juicy personal finance knowledge, I would do it without hesitation. But since I can't make this happen, I'm happy that people like Jake are out there educating and sharing everything that you need to know about personal finance. I don't want you to look past a book like How to Adult because of your age. I grabbed a copy and It was honestly just a great refresher for me and a reminder that, again, truly now is the perfect time to fix any money problems. If you enjoyed this episode, hey, do me a favor, leave an honest review and any podcast player you're listening to right now. These reviews, they help other listeners find our show. So in advance, I really appreciate it. I'll see you back here in a few days for another episode. Most of us have clothes that we've loved for years, maybe even decades. But it's harder than ever to find clothes that will stand the test of time. If you're looking for more pieces designed to last, you can't go wrong with American Giant. From hoodies and t-shirts to denim and more, they've got everything you need to build a wardrobe that you'll be proud of for years to come. All American Giant clothing is created with a commitment to doing things better. From the materials they use down to the last stitch in every piece. And everything is made right here in America in partnership with people and communities because keeping things local ensures the kind of quality you'll appreciate as soon as you receive your order. Discover the American Giant difference today. Shop wardrobe essentials that last a lifetime at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code LT23 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code LT23.